When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, and this afternoon I'm joined by Gav Buckland, Christopher Beasley and Adam Jones as we look back on Everton's 1-0 win over Chelsea on Sunday afternoon at Goodison Park. We'll also be looking at the rival Everton home fans gave their players as they made their way to Goodison for the huge Premier League showdown. I look at the overall relegation picture following defeat. A defeat for Leeds United against Manchester City and a win for Burnley against Watford after Hurt Road. But despite the game being a big talking point, Adam, you were at Goodison Park for the Echo on Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. But before that, you also joined thousands of Evertonians on the streets of Goodison to welcome the, the, the bus into to Goodison. And it was quite the welcome. It was. It was. Like, I was saying to people when I got in, like, I've not, you know, I've been going to Goodison now for probably like, 22, 23 years, and uh, you know, obviously they've not been the most fruitful <laughs> 22, 23 years of uh, Everton's history. But uh, I've never seen anything like that outside, outside Goodison. The atmosphere outside was absolutely electric. I mean, it, it, it all went off without a hitch, which is always really nice to see, isn't it? You know, thousands of Evertonians all bonding together, all really, really, really positive. Uh, you know, the flares, big, big, massive flags. It was just. It was, it was just everything that we, uh, that we wanted to see and what the players obviously uh, needed to experience before they even got into got into the stadium. You know, you saw like videos that were released afterwards of all the players on the bus all taking videos themselves, all big smiles on their face apart from Fabian Delph, who was <laughs> quite, clearly, <laughs> quite clearly focused on the task at hand, shall we say, <laughs> with a very deadpan sort of expression. But yeah, like I mean, you can see why there's already a lot of calls from supporters uh, and, you know, a bit, a bit of hinting from Frank Lampard as well that we want to see that for the last two home games of the season because, you know, you, you, don't, want, you don't want there to be left in any sort of doubt, do you? you, you like, as fans, everybody wants to be able to, uh, to contribute in any way, shape or form that they can to help, hopefully help, uh, help the side onto, uh, onto positive performances and positive results and I think you know it was it did prove to be really really key at the weekend and you know like thankfully the, uh, the players stood up to the task. Gav without sounding too disrespectful I think we'll say say you're a seasoned veteran when it comes to going to Goodison Park you, you've been there probably thousands of times over the years anything like that in terms of a welcome for the players arriving? Outside the ground now um, it was. I, I got there reasonably early for me on on Sunday about half twelve, and um, I couldn't get through to the the media, you know, the media entrance, and that's it. Sort of show me past to get through the the main entrance. You know, I was I was on the point of saying, "Do you know who I am?" At one stage, <laughs> but, uh, I'm but, sure. But what what brought it home to me was I went up on. Then you go to the main entrance to get to the media section, but up onto the concourse in the main stand, and there was nobody in the concourse. It was completely empty. 
because ev- everybody was outside the ground. Yeah, it was just unreal. You know that that sort of, um, you know the, the atmosphere and the fact that there was there was no there was nobody in the ground. Everybody was a good was outside the ground, and that I've never seen anything like that um, in my life at Goodison. And it was a great atmosphere, obviously inside the ground as well, wasn't it? It's nice up there, and you know, the, and we've got the right result. That always helps, doesn't it? Let's face it. Um, you know, I'd say certainly since the night game against Man United in two thousand and five, probably in the in the twenty first century, as a as a great atmosphere and and Fiorentina as well. But for an afternoon game, you know. Right up there, and the must be right up there in the best atmospheres of Goodison ever. Bees, I think we 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 really got to pay tribute obviously to supporters for what they organised on Sunday and what they done and and how they you know they aim to ramp up the, the atmosphere and and get behind Everton's place because I think you know when you look at on the face of it, it's been a pretty dour season for Evertonians. They've had very little to cheer about. They've had very little joy. You know the the threat of relegation is real and, and still is still is to this right now this minute. You know that victory's not. Everton nowhere near safe, but for the fans to do that, bees and get behind the plays and, and and almost say, Well, you know what, no matter what's gone on before now, now's the time to focus on these remaining games and, and we're going to do all our bit to get the lads over the line. It's it's pretty impressive, isn't it? Bees from Blue supporters, yeah, yeah, it's um, the dogs of war as well. Um, as we, as, as we quite saw literally, that, um, yeah, uh, um, canine pedestrian being held aloft. I mean, we've obviously had the, the follow up story with, with that one. Um, they must have been the only people in Walton who didn't realise there was there was a game going on. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, possession for some reasons really tickled me. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back from walkies and yeah, it's it'd be held off. So I, I don't know if um, if the dog's going to be like uh, guest of honour next home game or whatever. And uh, our old colleague Dave Prentice is perhaps getting a few treats out for it. But um, <laughs> yeah, whatever it takes. Yeah, they're, on a serious note though, yeah, it's it's actually. We're having a laugh about it, aren't we? But it could be, it could, you know, it could, it could be crucial, isn't it? And like you say, Connor, the time for inquiries and finger pointing and who's to blame for all this mess that will come after the season. I mean, regardless of whether they stay up or not, because it's not good enough. Um, it's nowhere near good enough. So that's that's to come after the twenty second of May regardless of whether we're in the Premier League or Championship next season. But yeah, now is the time for unity. It's time for togetherness and doing everything that you can to try and get Everton those results that they need to to, to stay, um, well, I was going to say stay out of the relegation zone. They're still, they're still in the relegation zone. That was a crucial victory to make sure they didn't get cut adrift after the, the weekend. And yeah, think about it. I, I don't know... What people are thinking in other parts of the country is just what it what it must be like for these supporters right now. Um, reg- regardless of what Liverpool are doing, and it, and, it, and it can't be ignored in Evertonians' minds. You know, this is potentially potentially Liverpool's most successful season. The fact that they're challenging for a quadruple, and whether they they've got one trophy in the bag already, but you know, regardless if they get another three or they don't get any more, you know, there's just such so much, so much excitement across the park at the moment, but for Evertonians, they're having to endure the the worst season in, in their top flight history. And yeah, they're just doing everything they can to, to rouse these players. And to be fair, the, these players who have been chronic underachievers and they're nowhere near the sum of their parts, they have 
responded in recent weeks um, in these home games and got some 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 big results. They they just need to do it away from home now. And I was speaking to Michael Ball yesterday doing his column, and he says, you know, away from home, Evertonians have been magnificent as well. They sell out wherever they go, filling those away allocations up and down the country, and they just need to sort this this away form out now because you'd you'd have to hope now with two away fixtures on 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 the spin that they, they, they can get something on these next two ones because as massive as that was on Sunday, got to follow it up now next week. Adam B said there as massive as, as Sunday was and we can't help but look back on, on Sunday's game and overall the atmosphere outside the grounds was as relevant inside the grounds as, as it was outside and it was a huge shift, wasn't it, from ever, more than anything to, to get over the line and get three points when, when it really mattered most. Yeah, I think... You know, I think it's maybe understated a little bit how uh, how difficult that match was set to be. You know, Chelsea had some really, really strong away form coming into this uh, to this game. Yeah, and I know they had you know a bit of a disappointing result on their travels last time out at Old at Old Trafford, only getting a draw there. But you know, they were still unbeaten in their last in, in their previous six Premier League games away from home. You know, they, they I think they'd won all of their last eight away games in all competitions. Uh, before that Manchester United game, obviously. So, uh, you know, they, they they were a really, really tough prospect. And, you know, Ever- Everton, and I, I know there was, you know, positives to take from the display against Liverpool, but, you know, you, you, realistically, you could have imagined that, you know, confidence might might have taken a little bit of a hit after being beaten by Liverpool, but it just never really seemed to have that effect at all. And, yeah, obviously, we've talked about, you know, the fans you know, creating that atmosphere, probably that's helped the players in a certain sense, but I think it was just, what really impressed me is just how, not just how like, committed and, you know, energetic and all that the players were, which of, of course they were, but it was how organised they were as well, switching to a five at the back. Obviously, we've seen how detrimental that can be to Everton in the past, but it really worked out this time. It seemed that Frank Lampard has been drilling, drilling it into his players all week in training that this is the way they needed to play. Really helped, I would have to say, by well, one, the return of Yeri Mina, who is, I just think is absolutely pivotal to that back line, isn't he? The leadership qualities that he shows, you know, the way he can wind up strikers, and you know, it, it really drew it, uh, Chelsea into the game that Everton wanted to play rather than the other way around, which I think was absolutely vital. And I think as well, the uh, the performance of Alex Awobi playing as a right wing back, obviously, he's had a lot of joy as an attacking midfielder over recent weeks, but. Again, he just shows his versatility to be able to move into that right wing back position and put in a really, really good defensive display. I don't think he got much chance to show off his, you know, attacking capabilities that we've been more used to over recent weeks. But his defensive work was absolutely fantastic, and that's just picking out two two players there. I mean, obviously, we'll we'll go on to the performances of Richarlison and you know, particularly Jordan Pickford, I'm sure, in a little bit. But I think. Those two players in particular were indicative of the the like renewed organisation. I think uh, I think Decore helped that as well in in midfield. To be fair, so all in all, it was just a really really impressive performance for me. Really solid, uh, you know. Despite obviously you know, Jordan Pickford made some really good saves. I think at the other end of the pitch, Everton on another day could have maybe scored two or three goals themselves as well. So there's really a lot of positives to take from from that performance and if they can use that as a baseline to then go into this uh, Leicester match then they'll stand themselves in really good stead The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Gav, Adam touched on it there in terms of 
Everton were able to enforce the game they wanted to play on Chelsea rather than another team imposing the game they wanted to play on them. Do you think Frank Lampard deserves a huge amount of credit for being able to do that because he's obviously had a, a rough ride as Everton boss? Things have, have certainly not been playing Salem, but on, on Sunday it was seen as one of the games where everything he, he put into practice just clicked. Yeah, well, I felt at Anfield for an hour. We, we, you know, we played the game in our terms, didn't we? Really, we said that in the podcast last week, and you got that more, more of the same on on Sunday, but over ninety minutes. I think, yeah, well, it's Lampard, and I would imagine he had credit his coaching team as well. Um, I thought it was a smart move. It was tempted to be five at the back when Chelsea had possession, didn't it? We'd sort of go to four at the back when we had um, at the ball. I thought it was smart. That was a smart move because he's obviously played with Alonso. We know he just hogs the touchline. We know the power of Reese James on the on the other side. I felt the, the the problem for us on on Sunday was going to be through the middle where Chelsea got a number of uh, mobile, quick players. And I when I looked at our midfield, I thought oh, we may struggle here, especially um, since Alan was on the bench. But when we lined up with five at the back, as I'd said, we also had like a very narrow three in the middle, not to give any space to Chelsea Chelsea there, which I thought was a smart move as well. And yeah, I think Frank tactically got it got it pretty much spot on. And that's something I know other people have picked on. And that's something I've obviously become far more aware of how, how to get the best out of the team. And we've saw that over the last few games. And I thought it worked perfectly on on Sunday. And credit to players. We've spoken about the atmosphere. Um, sometimes players can overheat, can't they, and lose their cool when it's a, it's a really intense atmosphere. And credit to the players for keeping their cool and obviously following the instructions that have been, they've been given before the game. I thought um, Lampard, yes, and also the players for carrying out those instructions as well on, on Sunday. Bees, Adam's already touched on one Everton player, but yeah, I mean, obviously, again, like Adam said, was a, a standout at the back for the Blues and shows how important he is. Do you think Sunday's performance vindicates Frank Lampard's decision not to play him? I don't feel last week in the Merseyside derby and, and to almost, you know, look to prioritise the games where the Columbia will be most effective and, and where Everton will really need them most. I suppose so. Um, and obviously, they, they lost Godfrey in the warm up, didn't they? Uh, Anfield and, and Michael Keane. Um, had to come in, but yeah, it'd be interesting how this one goes now because I was thinking ahead. You've got a full week to rest now ahead of uh, Leicester City, but given that um, what with Watford so much massive, I, I wonder whether he'll also play him at Vicarage Road. I mean, I have to wait and see, won't we? But yeah, he, he say he was um, he was colossal again um, at, the, at the weekend. Um, Kai Havertz was getting into all sorts of trouble I, I, i'm surprised you know he, he stayed on really he got away with a lot Havertz, um a lot that wasn't actually picked up upon but you could see how frustrated he was he was getting and, and another thing that um michael ball was discussing with me yesterday was um the set pieces he wants to see um Everton making more of these set pieces when mina's out there because you know he's, he's, he's such a presence as we saw in the world cup before he came to the club you know you know a real weapon as well. So, you know, if just one of those comes off of these next couple of weeks, I seem to recall him actually doing that against Watford away um, a couple of seasons ago. Um, I mean, that that could make um, all the difference. But, yeah, it's, it's just like, um, 
I don't know if you say like wrapping them up in cotton wool or not. So I, I don't know how much I can do that now with two two midweekers to, to come. But yeah, he he, he was um, back to his best, and as Adam said, you know, it just shows you how much they miss him when when he's not in the side. Adam, in terms of you know, Gav's touched on Lampard and and Everton's tactics and the setup, but do you think Sunday was an indication of you know Frank's always had a, a bit of time to train the ground since the derby and. Do you think it, that was an indication of what was to come possibly for Everton in terms of how well he can drill these plays and how we can set his team up if he's given the time, he's, he's given the chance to, to work with the plays he's got available to him? Mm, well, yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, we saw, you know, I'm not sure how many people have seen the Monday Night Football sort of analysis of Everton's recent performances compared to when Frank Lampard first came in. And I do think it's, a, it's an interesting sort of comparison to make because I do think Everton are trying to play in a different sort of way. You know, Roy Keane described it as, you know, simplifying things. And I think that was probably the best the best way of describing it possible because, you know, at the at the start of Lampard's reign, obviously he did he did want to play in more of a, you know, passing football sort of way, pass it out from the back, try and try and play through the lines and break down teams that way. And you know, it, it did have it did have some success to an extent at the start. You know, game FA Cup game against Brentford's the one that sticks out, you know, perhaps the game against Leeds as well, uh, shortly afterwards. So, you know, that, that, that did have some success, but, it, you know, it, it was getting to the point where Everton weren't going to be able to actually function in the in, in, in this relegation battle if they were to stick, to keep playing in that system. So I think it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's a real credit to Lampard and his coaching staff for spotting that, you know, even, you know, abandoning things that, you know, in some games were going well and just trying to reshape the team almost and, and just playing, okay, well, this might not be the long-term strategy for how I want to set up my Everton team, but this is what is required in these in these uh, last few games, you know, particularly, you know, as Gav said, the Liverpool game and this Chelsea game, you know, dragging, dragging these teams, who you know, two of, the, two of the best teams in the country at the minute, you know, two of the best teams in Europe as well, dragging them down to... The kind of game that they don't want to be playing, dragging them down to a game, more of more of a game in in the strategy that Everton want to play. That's really commendable, you know, especially doing it for an hour at Liverpool. You know, managing to do it for the majority of the game against Chelsea. I think that's a, that's really strong, and it does show it does show some really promising signs from from Lampard that he can you know identify both the strengths and the weaknesses of his side and uh, be able to. To switch things up accordingly, because I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think he's took away from any of the sort of you know, intensity that he needs to see from his his team, or you know, you know, the speed of play or anything like that. It is just you know a, li- a little bit more direct. Whenever you get the ball, you're forward thinking. You don't you're not passing just for passing's sake. You know, if we have if we only have twenty five percent possession, it doesn't matter as long as we get get the ball forward quickly enough. Uh, put defences into positions that they don't want to be playing in and uh, try and force them into mistakes. And it, it, it absolutely worked against Chelsea. You know, if, they, if they play in a similar sort of style against the other teams that they're set to play uh, throughout the rest of the season, it'll work against them as well because, you know, as the league table suggests, those sides that Everton are still going to play aren't going to be as good as Chelsea. So why would it, why would it not work against them? So it'll be very interesting to see how much Lampard maybe does alter things. Uh, you, you're thinking particularly against the likes of Brentford when they come to uh, when they come to Goodison. Obviously, the last time Brentford came to Goodison, Lampard played in you know that more of a passing from back sort of style, and it did 
it did work to very good effect, but the two teams are in very different places now. So be interesting to see whether he whether he changes things up for that game, I suppose. But yeah, these last these last two matches have been have been uh, really nice to see, and I think it's a it's a credit to not just the players but the uh, coaching staff as well. Gav, Adam touched there on strengths and weaknesses uh, in terms of the way Everton are playing at the minute and, uh, and whatnot. And I suppose if we were to be overcritical and maybe a little bit too critical was that. You know, last week at Liverpool, they had chances. They didn't take them. This weekend against Chelsea, they had chances. No, we took one of them. Is the, the big criticism that Everton needs to make more of the chances they're getting given the run that they've got? And, you know, when they, they create these openings, they need to be finished because, you know, as we saw last yeah. weekend, field, not take your chances, can come back to bite you. It can. Uh, as long as you're tight defensively and you've got a goalkeeper playing out of his skin, you can sort of get away, get away from it. Um, you know, you can get away with that risk. Yeah, you're not you're not not going to generate a you know plethora of chances against Chelsea or Liverpool, but it's just a general theme, isn't it? Over we spoke about it a couple of times. It's that eleven games, Premier League games, is a seven seven goals and a few deflections and a couple of penalties in there. So it's our lack of lack of goal scoring. Well, we, we've spoken about it anyway. Dave just touched on it. Lack of threat from set pieces. For a start, and just have we have we scored them in a set piece from the Lampard? Yes, Brentford. Brentford that long ago. And Michael that long ago then, so that's the first game. Mm. So just not me had. So we we've not we've not been a threat from set pieces, and that's the first thing you'd work on. But as long as you're keeping it tight at the back and playing the game on your own terms, if you get a chance, it's more likely and, and score just even once, you're going to affect the result. And that's what's happened, um, you know, against Man United and Newcastle. That's what happened. And we've just trying to think. Man United, Newcastle, Chelsea, City, what conceded one goal. And that was a bit of a, that was our mistake, wasn't it? So by and large, you've kept it really tight under Frank and, if you can do that at this stage of the season, we can get something at the other end. You know, you, you you'll hopefully still get the results, but longer term, that is an issue, isn't it? Who's going to? You know, we're talking about staying up, okay? In the assumption that we stay up, where are the goals going to come from going forward? So I'm not bothered about it at the moment, as long as we keep it tight. But the longer term thing for the club. Is yeah, it is an issue goal scoring for us. These guys said there about keeping it tight at the back, and we, we it would be wrong of us not to, to, to turn our focus and our attention to the man between the sticks forever on, on yeah. Sunday afternoon. Jordan Pickford, do I think we can all quite frankly say was was outstanding. And if it wasn't for him, Everton probably would have got beaten. He made two, I think, really top draw saves, um, and probably two of the best Goodison's Goodison's seen for a long time, if not of all time. Yeah, all I can say is about that, that first one. That's as good as anything I've seen from Neville Southall, and I can't pay Jordan Pickford a higher compliment than that. You know, his it, his greatest of predecessors, a man who was his best in the world in his position, and that's as spectacular as anything Big Nev did, as 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 far as I can see. I mean, I think I was watching old highlights reel the other day of some of Nev's best saves, and of course, a lot of them. It's not like these days where everything is captured on camera and every game is covered. So quite a few of them are from the same matches and there's a few of those there, even though it's on grainy YouTube footage, you think, wow, but 
that from from Pickford was was up there, and even the one with, with his face, you know, it just hits him. But he's he's there, isn't he? His positioning is correct, closes it down. He's brave, and people people were almost like surprised. Oh, look, John Pickford's done that, and because Everton have been struggling and Everton are in dire straits, there seems to be this idea that Jordan Pickford's been a bit iffy, but. He's probably been this last year or so. He's probably been as consistent as he's been since he, he came to the club. Um, don't need to remind anybody about what happened in the derby at Goodison last season, but since then, he's, he's, he seems to have cut out the mistakes. He's, he's concentrating more. He seems to have matured as a goalkeeper, and he's been one of the few really sort of consistent performers for Everton all season. But yeah, that, that, it's amazing, and even that one. At the end, was it Kovacic when uh, you thought he maybe go one way and he and he went to the right and he and, and he read that one correctly? Um, it, was, it was amazing. I think um, Adam gave him a ten out of ten. First time he's done that, and uh, yeah, it, it said can't pay him any higher compliment than to say that's as that's as good a save that first one as anything you saw from Neville Southall for me. Well, 10 out of 10 from me is a higher compliment. But, you know, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was just going to say, these are stolen with thunder right there because I was going to come to the 10 out of 10 to Adam because when I did see that, I thought, well, that is a first, quite yeah. frankly, a first. Mm. But Adam, it, it, he could not give him a 10, could you, for, for them? No, well, that's it. You like, know, he said there, you know, you look, it's, it's you know, obviously the same, the Mount Savers everyone will look at, but the other two were just as important and mm. equally as impressive, weren't they, given the time in the game and the pressure mm. everyone runs at. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think it was just that 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 minute where he made you know those two saves that are getting so much so much praise and rightly so. I mean, that that was probably the best minute of goalkeeping I've I've ever seen live. It, it was you know the concentration levels that it that it took. You know the desire, especially for that first one to get to get over there. He's got absolutely no right to get to, to get over to that at all. Actually, Quetta probably thinks you know it's not a tap in, but he just thinks, oh well, if I get this on target, it's in. Because there's no way the keeper's getting back to that, and um, you know the the speed that he that he gets up, sees the danger, sprints over and gets into position, and you know not only gets it gets his hands to it, but pushes it into an area where the Everton defender can then can then clear it. He doesn't push it back in, into any sort of danger. Like it, it's it's all just absolutely perfect. And then you know as B's quite rightly said as well, you know the the bravery and the desire to get over to that one. From Rudiger, where he where he takes it square in the face as well. I mean, I mean he's done well to get to get back up after that. You know, Rudiger, Rudiger absolutely catches that, but uh, you know it, it just didn't shake Jordan Pickford at all. You know, he made a he made a good save from Loftus Cheek, I think, uh, just before it was like ten minutes before the end or something like that as well. He needed to tip that one over the bar. Obviously, Bees has quite rightly said as well. He uh, he made that save from Kovacic as well, and I think what. What really impressed me as well is like before before he made that amazing save from Aspilicueta, he'd not really been called into action all that much. You know, he, 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 that was probably I came what maybe like an hour or so into the game, maybe something something like that, and he'd really not had to do much in terms of you know shot stopping. He, he was, I think, he was important in terms of you know some of his long balls out to the air, well, particularly the left flank again as we saw against Liverpool, but uh, he, he'd not really had to do much. In terms of shot stop, and he, he came out and he commanded his area on a few crosses quite well, I think. But uh, it, it just shows amazing concentration levels to be able to to do what he to do what he did in that minute, and that was that's a that's a kind of that's a kind of minute of action that can 
eventually go on to define the end of Everton season. Essentially, you know, if 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 Chelsea if Chelsea score in that in that moment, you know, they've they've then got what like half an hour, 20, 25 minutes, something like that, to find another goal. When you know Jordan Pickford's confidence might not might not be as high as you know what it was, uh, what it was for the for the rest of that game. So you know it it could have completely changed. It could have completely changed this podcast. It could have completely changed the whole mood around Everton. So the, the fact that he's that he's saved you know some of his some of his best stops for for this moment is you know it's quite po- poetic. But as as B says as well, it's only. It's only a just reward for eighteen months of being Everton's most consistent player, certainly. And you know, you, you, I think Bees is right. You have seen a few people weirdly saying that you know Jordan Pickford hasn't been on it because quite clearly they haven't watched Jordan Pickford for the last uh, for the last eighteen months or so because he's been he's been absolutely fantastic. He's a you know he's been a, he's been a credit to the club and to himself over over that period of time. So you know, long may that continue, and you know, particularly. Hopefully that continues for the last five games of the season. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gav, Adam said there in terms of consistency and and Jordan Pickford being a standout for, for Everton. There's been always a lot of question marks around Jordan Pickford and his goalkeeping ability. And it always seems like he's he's the one in the media and, and other fans of the clubs are quick to, to to point the finger at and, and lay blame at. But do you think the you know Everton now we're seeing the real we've seen the real best of Jordan Pickford these last 18 months and a lot of money that Kevin Campbell being Everton's last real relegation hero, but could he be the, the, the this season's hero and does Sunday's performance kind of pull him into that, that bracket now? Well, let's see what happens at the end of the season for the start. Um I think there's probably two or three players, isn't there? Really? It it always amazes me with Pickford that like on Sunday, you have a couple of the players, uh, a couple of the the people in the national press, you know, he's influential. Have to come out and remind people that Pickford is England's number one, and he's a he's a top goalkeeper. As if people still doubt him. Um, but that was an enormously influential performance on on Sunday. And as as Chris said, I was being an old timer, as you referred to before. It was at White Hart Lane and Hillsborough in nineteen eighty five when Neville pulled them saves off, and uh, I was a Coventry in 1988 for an absolute superhuman performance that you can see on YouTube. But yeah, I think Jordan is one, and, and doubtless we're going to talk about him. Richarlison is is the other, isn't he? Really, at the moment, and yeah, Mina being also influential in the in the couple of games he's played. But yeah, it was, that was just a, a fantastic performance, and by Pickford, and that save is it defies belief, doesn't it? Really, you know we. It's just the way the whole the way he reacted, and as I'd said, the way he pushed the ball out into a safe area. It was just it's one of the most it's one of the greatest saves I've ever seen on the ground by any keeper, never mind an Everton keeper. It was it was just unbelievable. Do you think with Jordan Pickford we've seen the you know the the benefits of when Carlo Ancelotti was in charge and Robin Olsen was brought in as a as a backup goalkeeper and Carlo was often rotated two of them and. You know, Jordan would be taking out the, the limelight or, you know, giving a rest now and then and Robin Olsen would come in and, and Robin Olsen seems to be the goalkeeper who really kind of challenged Jordan Pickford and put him under... There's no... Jordan Pickford's a better goalkeeper, but they, they felt like there was genuine competition. And do you think we're reaping the benefits of, of that system under Carlo now because it's, it's tough Jordan on to another level than what, we, what we've seen before? 
I don't know about that. I, something's gone on, hasn't it? There's something with the maturity and the consistency has changed. I mean, personally, I didn't like that setup. I'd rather just have your number one and have him play all the time. I know, like you're saying, when Olsen came in, it would keep Pickford on his toes and having another international class goalkeeper at the club um, could only be healthy for competition. But I like to have, you know, an established number one and have them having the presence of, of playing them as often as possible. I mean, it's another one of my bugbears is this idea of cup keepers and giving everyone a chance there. You know, it's not the under nines. I think you should just play your best <laughs> eleven, and they're getting paid handsomely to to have that understudy role. I mean, we saw it in the FA Cup semi final. Uh, you know, Manchester City it cost them when they decided they were going to leave Edison out against Liverpool. So I don't know about that. I mean, like I said, yeah, it can it would have kept Pickford on his toes. Although it's it's interesting how you know Olsen hasn't really. Gone on and had um, the greatest of seasons now since then, and what's happened to him since? But um, something's gone on. I, I don't know what you might have to ask Jordan himself. Is he does he feel you know where the maturity has come from? Is he speaking to different people? I don't know with sports psychologists and getting him to calm down or more because it's all about obviously concentration. If you're a top goalkeeper, a lot of long periods of inactivity, maybe not so much at Everton this season. Of him struggling, but like I say, in that game particularly, you know, he wasn't always. But it wasn't Chelsea weren't peppering Everton with shots all the time. But then there were such crucial periods where he did have to come into to action. So I don't know about that with with, with the other goalkeeper, and you know, obviously he's he's, he's kept it up um, this season. I mean, Begovic again is a strong, experienced number two. Maybe we've got to give him credit as well because. You know, he, he, he's always done, and there are a few occasions he's come into the side this season, he, he's been sound enough. So I don't know what Begovic is doing and pushing Jordan behind the scenes, but something something's changed there. Um, the penny's dropped to a certain extent and he's, he's he produces most like consistent run of form for the club. Adam, I've already touched on him before, but at the other end of the pitch for Everton on Sunday was with Charles, and once again, Tasper leading the line. And although, you know, every player went, certainly put 100% commitment and, and and ran themselves into the ground. He went that little bit extra fair, didn't he? And again, he showed he's right up with the fight and, and right, in, right in for the battle. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's there's a lot of Everton fans, and, and, and I do understand the argument in a, in a lot of respects. There's a lot of Everton fans who don't particularly like to see Richarlison up there as a lone number nine. And I do understand that it does uh, restrict the amount of times that he actually touches the ball, which, you know, for a player, player like Richarlison, somebody who's so... Uh, creative and so influential in the Everton team. I do understand that, you know, restricting the amount of times he actually touches the ball is potentially in some cases a detriment to the side. But I think in a game such as that one, I think he was absolutely the perfect choice to to lead the line because he does, he he, he sets the example from the front, doesn't he? You know, he's, he's always committed. He's always, as you say, you know, given 100%, you know, sprinting. To try and close down uh, defenders, even in situations where it's like 80 20 in the defender's favour. You know, he, he seems to have that uncanny knack of being able to sprint at a defender and still win, still win the ball off them in uh, in those sort of tight situations. You know, especially in the first half, Rudiger struggled with him a couple of times because you know you just what you just wasn't expecting, I suppose, the pace and the and the physicality of Richarlison to get to a number of those. And then when you've got you know the ad the ad added a sort of you know pace and desire of uh both Anthony Gordon and Marty Gray either side. You know, those three as an attacking unit together, I think that that just works really, really well. And obviously you saw that 
with the build-up to the goal. I think all three of them played their part in pressing uh, the defence exactly where they needed to go. Obviously, it was Gray and Richardson who get the uh, the most plaudits for for closing down as Piliqueta, and then you know Richardson's got the coolest head in the stadium. To you know, it, it's not a, it, it's really not an easy finish. I think people are maybe overlooking how how difficult the finish is. He's you know, he's got an onrushing Edward Mendy coming at him, who I think you know is you know, one of the Premier League's best goalkeepers. I think probably behind Edison and Allison. I think he's he is the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. So, to, you know, to have him running at you is probably probably a bit of a daunting, a daunting sort of scenario. But you know, he, he just kept his kept his cool head, and you know, even that probably isn't easy for somebody who's you know, had his struggles in front of goal throughout this season. Even over the last couple of weeks, he's missed a couple of chances. You know that I know he scored a couple of penalties against Burnley, but you know he had that chance in the second half against Burnley, which he really should have done better with. So you know, he's managed to push all those sort of doubts to one side and just. Put it exactly into that corner where it where it needs to go, and yeah, it, it, again, I think it, he's another player who just deserves that reward for the amount of hard work that he's been putting in over recent weeks. Because I really do think he has he has stepped up his level, uh, and he, he could be the, he could be that crucial player for Everton in, towards these latter stages of the season if Everton can keep you know, giving him those sort of chances. If he can keep you know, even trying to force those sort of chances for himself over the last few weeks, then he could be absolutely key. So it was it was games like that where I, I really like to see Richarlison lead the line by himself. In in different scenarios, I can understand that, you know, you probably wouldn't want to see him uh, as a number nine like against Leicester. I, I suppose it depends how they line up after their, uh, after their Europa League game, but it might not be the best time to see Richarlison lead the line by himself on that occasion. But, you know, I, I think those... I think this match certainly showed all of the qualities as to why you know Lampard does like seeing him in it in that sort of role and why Richardson likes playing in in that role himself. So fingers crossed, yeah, he can he can keep that up for the last few games of the season. Gav, Adam touched on Bailey there and said about the miss, but Richardson, despite scoring, also enjoyed a frustrating night against Leicester City at Goodison, and one miss notably springs to mind. Given those weeks he's had, and given you know the, the frustrating times he enjoyed around field last week do we need to praise the the, the and pay tribute to the the mental strength which he's shown to, to bounce back and and put another shift in and, and show composure when it needed it most oh yeah absolutely i mean you wouldn't expect anything else i've said many many times on this podcast that richarlison even around for pickford and maybe me now richarlison's got a different mindset to um to the rest of the players in the squad Probably with all due respect, and and you see that on days like yesterday, and you see it in big games. He, he's a the hackneyed hackneyed old phrase of an, an elite player's mindset. I think I would uh, <laughs> I would use, and you know that's why he's coveted, even though his goal scoring rate, you know, ratio is not great, particularly this season. I think he just thinks differently. He wants things maybe that little bit more. Compared to our other outfield players, and that's reflected in his in his performances on the big occasion. And yeah, yesterday that was as I'd said, it's great finish in the context of the game and the context of the season. Such an important match and, and the atmosphere that we've spoken about. It was a it was an elite players finish in the most pressurised environment. So I do think he takes a lot of a lot of credit for you know forgetting about previous misses and big misses and big games like say Burnley and Leicester 
and he produced the goods when it was needed. But I would expect that of Richarlison. It was a bit like against Arsenal at home, wasn't he? We was continually frustrated by the fact that he'd had, he'd had two goals chalked off, didn't he? Um, for offences, I think we did both offside. But yeah. he still had to go the third time and scored. And that was a difficult goal. And, and you saw that sort of determination and fortitude coming, coming to the service again on, on Sunday. But I wouldn't expect anything else because he isn't a, to me, he is as close to an elite player as what we've got. Beach, do you think Richardson's performance though on Sunday and and now Dominic Calvert Lewin seemingly back being being fifth and possibly available to start this weekend? Does this almost now hand Frank Lampard a massive conundrum in terms of does he stick with what he has on, on Sunday or does he look to bring Calvert Lewin into lead the line and push Richardson back out to the left? Yeah, it's good. It's good to have that. That's what the manager wants to have, doesn't he? Have, have the options. I know a, few, a couple of weeks ago, or so. Adam and I did a piece on the debate of, you know, was um, Carvalho-Lewin part of Everton's first choice 11 now? And I said yes at the time. And I think a couple of weeks on now and, you know, you know more in, more injuries, more underwhelming displays from Carvalho-Lewin. I, I, I think that maybe not the case now. Um, we've seen Rondon as the alternative. But like we say, can, we, can he do it for 90 minutes where he's shown himself to be a decent enough option off the bench? Don't know about leading the line, but this is what the ma- the manager wants to have options. Wants to be able to mix it up a bit and have a bit of competition for places because that's been a problem for far too long this season. It's like whoever's been fit ends up being um, an automatic choice. It's, it's like we say. It's like do we do we want Richardson more involved coming under the wing? I mean, a lot of us think that is his best role, or is he actually required more as the the central striker? Um, at, at this moment, and um, if there are question marks about Calvert Lewin, I mean, it, it might be that Richardson does have to stay in there because it's just it's just not got going, isn't it? For setting off for the season for Calvert Lewin for whatever reason, fitness, whether it's um, I, I was going to say a, a lack of confidence. He's always been a really confident boy from from what I've seen, but you know when it's not happening for you in in front of goal and it. it it, it, it's tricky, but this is what Lampard wants. He doesn't want, Brent, you know, especially given that the two sides played each other so relatively recently. You don't want Brendan Rodgers sort of second guessing and thinking, well, he knows what Everton are going to do. You'd have to hope that somehow they can spring a surprise or maybe mix things up a little bit um, just to sort of um, freshen things up and uh, keep Leicester City on the toes. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to have those. Options like you say that um, Alex Awobi, we don't know if he's he's going to switch from you know that right wing back role and he will he go back into midfield. There, you know, there, there are a couple of ways that that Frank can uh, mix it up and not make things too predictable, especially with the the close turnaround of the away in the home game against Leicester. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Adam, despite all the joy and hysteria that Sunday brought. 24 hours earlier, around quarter, quarter to five, quarter to five, there was a lot of nervous and, and concerned bluesers. Burnley scored their seconds in three minutes to, to take the lead and eventually go on and beat Watford mm. at fixed withdrawals. But thankfully for the Blues, Leeds United were then comfortably beaten by Man City a couple of hours later. Yeah. But in terms of then results and, and that that kind of few hours, it kind of really drummed home in it that Everton are in a battle and every result and every kind of minute is, is precious right now in, in this battle. Mm-hmm. I suppose, but uh, I think Frank Lampard addressed it very well uh, after the match on Sunday, in fact, because he was he was asked 
you know, that they're Everton still uh, masters of their own destiny, essentially, and it's all in their hands. And he, Frank Lampard kind of said, "Well, yeah, but it's in it's in it's in everybody's hands, essentially. Like you're not expecting Burnley to go and win every game from now until the end of the season. You're not expecting Leeds to win every game from now until the end of the season." Uh, I think he quite candidly said, you're not expecting Everton to go and win every mm. every game from now until the end of the season. So things are going to chop and change at the bottom of the table uh, as as we head through. Well, Everton have got five games left uh, throughout the rest of the campaign. So I think it's all about, it, well, it's something that Lampard and the squad have kind of said over the last couple of weeks. It's all about not, get, not getting too high after these sort of high points and not getting too low after the sort of low points. You, you've got to just take each game as it comes and, you know, I, th- I think the important thing for Everton, after you know what was such a such a high point against Chelsea, you just can't allow any sort of complacency, especially in the final two home games of the season. Because you know, on paper, realistically, you're not expecting games against Brentford and Crystal Palace of Goodison to be as tough as the Chelsea game was. But the players can't allow themselves to think like that, and, and it's going to be an interesting sort of challenge, I think, for Lampard because. As he keeps saying as well, you can only focus on the tasks that Everton have got. There's no point looking at you know the results of Burnley or the results of Leeds. So you know fan, fans might find themselves looking at it. Well, you can't you can't help look at, but look mm. at it sometimes, can you? And you know, yeah, get somewhat affected by these uh, strong results for teams around you in the table. But realistically, Everton just as much as they possibly can, they just need to put it to one side, put it to the back of their minds because there's nothing that Everton can do now to affect uh, Leeds or Burnley's results. All they can do is just try and uh, take it onto the pitch for themselves. So it, it, I think it's really good that Lampard understands that and you know, if he can keep hammering that into his players for the for the final few games, I think that's probably going to be the best way to uh, to stand the squad in good stead for these for these remaining matches. Gav, much, much has been made in terms of the, the battle between Everton, Burnley and Leeds and who's in the driving seat and whatnot. But do you think after the weekend's games and with the games to come, do you think Everton have, have got more chance of kind of wheeling bit Leeds United in more than Burnley and, and it'll be Leeds and, and Everton who could potentially be scrapping for the, the, the final place above the drop zone? Uh, I don't know. I seriously don't know. I mean, there was somebody who was saying something if it, today that, if Leeds get a couple of wins, which they're capable of doing in the last two games, and we get a couple of wins, and Bernie get a couple of wins, all capable of doing, there's, there's about three teams on 40 points, isn't there? Mm. Um, who all of a sudden get you know get caught up. You know, so you may get into the, the final day of the season where there might be four or five clubs involved if there's, you know, if Leeds and Bernie pick up points between now and then, and we do. Yeah, I'd, I'd say... I watched, I watched Leeds, I thought they were okay, but they have got a difficult couple of games coming up. But then they've got Burnley and, is it Brentford? Yeah. It, I think. Sorry, Brighton and Brentford, isn't it? Um, Burnley have got a couple of, you know, easiest games. We have as well, but you, you just don't know. You, you would have predicted Burnley's run. I mean, we're on a quite, I mean, we've taken, what is it, 10 points from four home games, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, how long will Bernie's new manager bounce, bounce, bounce on for? <laughs> so, I absolutely don't know. We can we can only go back to what Frank was saying: do our best in our games and hope for hope for the best. 
I'd, I'd say at this point, though, completely contradict what I said previously. I think Leeds are quite vulnerable, are because of their next two games are really difficult. But then it's only difficult for them if we win and Burnley win, isn't it? You know, so I'm not sure. I have a feeling it's going to go to the last couple of games for us personally. He's Gav, 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 sure. Have you have you got a, a fair answer, or are you? Are you <laughs> I know you've said previously, I mean, you, you hope Everton are safe before the final game of the season at Arsenal. You, you hope that they're not going in last day. Yeah, you need results to, to stay in the Premier League. Yeah, no, Leeds, are, Leeds are very much back in it now, aren't they? And you speak, the way that Burnley have have gone, you know, it, as it stands, Leeds United are, cl- are closer to Everton because of the goal difference, and also, like you said. Who could have predicted this this sort of run from Burnley? They they made what might be seen a rash decision, but it was it was, it was um it it's a gamble which could pay off for them now. You know, getting rid of a manager Sean Dyche had been there for nearly ten years, and installing a guy who's a scouser, I might add, Mike Jackson, um, as caretaker boss who did brief spells in the lower divisions at Shrewsbury and Tranmere Rovers, and not done much either of them. But all of a sudden. There he is. Um, ten was it? Ten points out of twelve. Um, three victories on a run for a team who'd only won four in the all season in the Premier League. You just couldn't have um, predicted anything like that, and it could prove crucial for them. Um, yeah, it's it. it Everton been steady enough. I mean, I did a piece yesterday saying why I feel that Lampard must stay on regardless of whether Everton stay up or not because he knows what Evertonians want and he's able to utilise the the crowd. You know, it's been a tough. It's been a really sort of tough, steep learning curve for him, and um, it, it's been difficult at times to see what, how to actually get the best out of these players. But he, he's doing that now. He's utilising the crowd, and after so many managerial changes, I think that Everton should stick with him, regardless. But he, he's in this position because Burnley have come from nowhere, and um, since the the Good Friday sacking of Dice, to to have this unprecedented run of form, which brings Leeds United back in there because Everton have actually been sort of ticking over and, and, and doing okay and uh, Leeds have been brought totally back in back into it. Yeah, um, like you said, I, I hope Everton aren't having to get a result at the Emirates because, you know, you don't want that. But yeah, they, they, over these next couple of weeks, you know, Everton have got opportunities now to, to get those, those points on, on the board and it's a time, like we said, that Leeds have, have got their... Um, uh, dif- what look like dif- dif- difficult fixtures. Um, it, it, it's what is keeping people awake at night. Again, marping back to what I was speaking to Michael Ball about yesterday, and he's saying, you know, friends of his, relatives of his, they're waking up at 4 a.m. and they're looking at the league table, seeing if it's changed overnight, because, you know, you, you're that desperate, you're sort of, sort of going through all the permutations in your mind. You don't know what's what's going to happen. you you just got to try and... Uh, get those points on the board as, as quickly as possible and forever. And that means doing what they haven't done for a long time and and, and um, actually doing well away from home. Right, Did I, you say there, Chris, that uh, waking up at 4am when you're my age is just a natural course. <laughs> 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 it's an entirely different podcast, that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a slightly different one, perhaps, we can uh, talk about. <laughs> Right on that bombshell announcement, there, <laughs> who was just told all the listeners, giving away how, how old he is. Yeah. <laughs> we, we will leave it there and we will be back on Friday to look ahead to another huge Everton game, aren't they all huge at the minute? On Sunday, as they take on Leicester City, the King Power. But for today, 
A massive thanks to Chris, Gav and Adam for joining me stuck back on Everton's 1-0 win over Chelsea and the Premier League survival picture. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.